Okay, if you'd open up to Mark chapter 13, we will pray. Father, as we look at this, the Olivet Discourse, choice section of Scripture, help me not to mishandle it. A lot of speculative stuff going on. And, and I, I think, Lord, for the most part, you know, we as Calvary Chapel have done a really good job at expounding eschatological things. And I pray you'd bless to that end. You know, we take your word literally and seriously. And I pray you'd help because, you know, it seems like there's so many different roads I could run down. And I don't want to. I just want to do a good job of teaching this in a way that would um, bless your heart and that would honor you and that would edify the people who will listen. And Father, again, I pray you take this opportunity to set the captive free. Use our uh, solid rock uh, meeting Tuesday night, Lord. Bless the, the ones who participate in both the ministerial you know, aspect and the ones who are receiving your word and your ministry. And Father, I pray that you'd, you'd just take this opportunity to show Satan who's boss. He's messing with the wrong God. And Lord, you, you thrill in binding the strong man and spoiling his goods. And Lord, I pray that you would. I pray you'd take steal, kill, destroy boy and show him, Lord, he's, he's not welcome around. He's not welcome in taking lives and ruining them, Father. And I pray you a special deliverance. And Lord, your blessing that you just pour out a huge blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you know, you read a section and then you go back and you unpack. I'm not going to do that because it's, I don't know where I'm going to end up, frankly. And that's why I didn't do questions yet. I think it's going to be a two-part. I have in my mind where I want to finish. I think it's going to be two-part. It might be three. It might even be four. It depends how. And if you really want a really good study of this, I would commend to you Chuck Missler, Olivet Discourse, YouTube, Olivet Discourse, Missler, search. Because um, the Olivet Discourse is, is it's Matthew 24 and 25, Luke 21, and here in Mark 13. And Mark and Matthew are tremendously similar, and Luke has a slightly different take on it. You say, well, why is that? The, the four gospel writers are writing to four different audiences, I've always thought. Matthew is writing to the Jew, Mark to the Greek, Luke to the Roman, and John is writing to the church. And he doesn't even uh, mention the Olivet Discourse as such. Why? We'll be watching it all from the mezzanine. So I'm going to try to parse it out as we go through. Like again, if you read Matthew and you read Mark, they're very, very similar. And if you do follow a study like someone like Chuck Missler, who knows what they're doing and is conversant in this area, I think you'll find it uh, time well spent. I think it's, even Chuck Missler, it's two-part, and I think they're both like about two hours. So, you know, sit down, get your, you know, comfortable, you're going to be there a while. But I think it's, but we're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that exhaustively. I'm going to teach like I teach, like I teach, just verse at a time, and we'll, and again, we'll go from there. As he went out, chapter 13, verse 1, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what billings are there. So I listened to one guy this week, and Jesus had a bad day. 
He was attacked by the Herodians, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and he's just, and so his disciples come to cheer him up. Hey, check out this. Now, it was a good teaching, by the way. I ain't going to tell you who, because now I've said something negative. It was a good teaching. He just started it wrong. No, there's a very specific reason he's doing this, and I think we see it best in Matthew. And why don't we turn to Matthew, okay? Matthew 23. All those things that we, uh, in 22, the things that were in um, Mark, they're again reflected. You know, uh, look at, uh, just for instance, uh, verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, read here, scribe, scribe and lawyers are the same, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? We read that in Mark. Well, it's the same thing. Now, in 23, he takes a long time to, it's not just a few verses. In chapter 23 of Matthew, he goes off on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And there's, I think it's like a six-part indictment. He says, you are just blind guides, in verse 24, which strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he goes on and on. At the end, he says this, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee. Remember the parable of the vineyard? How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. There's some pathos there. I hope you feel the great emotion that's being wrenched out of the, the bosom of Jesus. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. He cleaned the house. Remember, good Jewish boy would at Passover, get rid of all the, all the leaven. But now it's like you, you, you wouldn't enter in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe on me as Messiah. You wouldn't embrace my salvation that I've come to bring. Your house is left unto you desolate. Your house. Isn't it his father's house? Isn't it a house of prayer? No, it's your house. You want it, you got it, and it's desolate. He just pronounced a curse on the temple. <gasps> and, the Jew, and the Jews would say, oh my goodness, may it never be. And the disciples would say, what? Wait a second, wait a second. Desolate? You're the king. You're the Messiah. Uh, what are we going to have, another Babylonian invasion? That's the stuff of history. That happened a long, long time ago. Assyria, that's stuff of legend now. They're way back in the past. Egypt is going to rise up. And it's going to be, no, it's going to be Rome this time. And they would understand that. But they're thinking that he's going to establish the kingdom. We've covered this. If we've covered nothing else in the Gospel of Mark, we've covered this and we've covered it and we've covered it again. They're waiting for the kingdom. And he says, it's not going to be here, it's not going to be now. Your house is left unto you desolate. And this is very, very key. We've covered this in our Revelation series. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, no unbeliever saw him. He only appeared to his disciples and to believers. You shall not see me henceforth until you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. You always wonder why Satan is still so anti-Semitic. Is he a sore loser? No, he's still got a plan. He's got to eliminate every Jew, and he's got to eliminate Jerusalem. 
So Jesus has no place to come back to, and there's nobody to say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And we looked at this again on a Wednesday night, uh, the Zechariah prophecies about they will mourn for him as they mourn for an only a child, uh, an only son. That, you know, it talks about, and, and they will um, mourn over me whom they have pierced. Um, so you say, well, boy, that's not a winning hand. Satan's going to wipe out all the Jews. He's tried before, very, very often historically. He hasn't been successful thus far. He's made inroads, and he's done some great destruction, but he hasn't been able to do it. Say it's a long shot. Well, it's an impossibility. God said when I restore them in the land, they're never going to be moved out of the land again. It's an impossibility. So you want to get rid of uh, uh, Israel? Wipe it right off the map? Easy. He says, I've made a covenant with the sun and the moon. If you can take them and stop them from shining, you can stop Israel from being a nation. I think it was Arnold Fruchtenbaum used to have these seminars where, uh, you know, he'd invite people, oh, you want to get rid of Israel? He'd, that was his verse. <laughs> All you can do is get rid of the sun. Easy peasy, right? You get rid of the moon, wipe it out, and then you'll, you'll be able to get rid of Israel. What is God saying? You're not going to touch my nation. You're not going to be successful. Now, the Antichrist will be successful to a degree. It is the time of Jacob's troubles, and we'll, we'll read that as we go back to Matthew 13. Now, you understand verse 13, chapter 13, verse 1. Master, you see what manner of stones and what buildings they have? You just pronounce judgment on this entire complex. Can you imagine such a thing? Okay, Jesus, I know you were just burning off some agita and you're just kind of, you know, you know how it is. You, you, you get all, uh, you had a, you're having a real bad day and you get this like valve that just lets off the steam like a boiler does so it doesn't blow up, right? You, you, you have that. And we all have that. You know, we explode and, and we just, and Jesus is having a bad day. That's all it is. And they're saying, hey, Lord, you, I know you kind of overspoke there a little bit. You kind of got a little excited, but, I mean, look at the temple. I mean, come on. It's like 48 years in uh, Herod's like, rebuilding project. One of the great wonders of the ancient world, if they, if they had them at that time. Uh, people who weren't even Herodian would say, hey, listen, if you, you want to see a building, you see the temple. It's incredible. And it was it was incredible structure. Uh Okay, Jesus, I get it, but and Jesus answering said unto him, Jesus answering. Now, I think he's very measured in his response. He's not having a bad day. He's saying, I, I know what I'm saying. You, you see this? See this now, these great buildings, this shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now look, you see it one way, I see another one. I see it truth. Your house is left unto you, and it's going to be desolate. Okay? Not one, uh, let me clarify. Not one stone upon another. Have you been, some of you guys have been to Israel. Some of you guys have been on Temple Mount. Is there one stone left on another? Do you know where the temple stood even? You see what I'm saying? So Jesus is a prophet. He's not just burning off negative karma or something like that, just letting this release of pent-up. No, 
He's, the prophet is saying, not one stone is going to be left of one another. Why? You didn't know the time of your visitation. It says it in the Gospel of Luke. There's a reason. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately. Now, let me set it up. It's called the Olivet Discourse, and the reason is because it's on the Mount of Olives. Over against means opposite, so he's looking at the temple, and he's on the Mount of Olives, not on the Temple Mount. And Peter, James, and John, we've seen these three before. Now Andrew, and he has this private briefing with these four apostles. And let me tell you how it's going to go down. They ask the question, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? There's three questions, but you've got to read all three Gospels to ferret out all three questions, okay? And sometimes he's answering, there's a near and far to this, and I want us to understand because I think this is one of the pitfalls right away where people fall into. There is a group called preterists. I don't know if they have even one scholar among them, and I usually don't talk in language like that, who say all these things have happened in the past. Nero was the Antichrist. Uh, Vespasian came in, he wiped out Jerusalem, end of story. And everything that is going to be fulfilled has already been fulfilled. Not very scholarly. And we, I think we beat that up in our Revelation series. I think I knocked that straw man down enough that if, if you believe that way, I think, you're, I think you married the vein. I think you, I think you bought into a way of thinking so that you know, you won't be deterred even with solid Bible facts. I think you should repent from that. Preterism is theologically icky. How's that for a precise term? There's an ear and a fire, though. So some of the things they say are kind of have a resonate a little bit because they have a hint of truth to them. Jesus answering, begin to say, take heed lest any man deceive you. Why? Because there's... He said of Satan, when he speaks a lie, he's speaking his native tongue. Good, sound doctrine is all through the New Testament. It's imperative that we understand. I don't think these things are... Not important. Some people look at, look at, there's a lot of churches that never talk about eschatological things at all. I think they do their people in the church a tremendous disservice. Um, I grew up in a Catholic church. Catholicism is void of any eschatological things. I went to a church here before Calvary Chapel, and a pastor never taught from the book of Revelation. When I asked him about it, I, he said, oh, it's too controversial. He used the seven letters to the seven churches, and he gleaned some things out of that, and that was as far as he went. I've heard people like, um, t I, I, one teacher, I, I was really blessed, cause he, he was starting to teach Revelation, I'm thinking, and I know, I know him to be not of the same camp as us, and I was wondering where he was going. And he, he taught Revelation 1 really good, and then Revelation 2 and 3, the seven letters of the seven churches, taught really, really good. And chapter 4 and chapter 5 taught really, really well. And then chapter 6, he stopped teaching. Day one of the uh, 
started, the lamb started opening the seals. I don't know if he knew what to do with it or whatever, but he was in a camp where we don't talk about eschatological things, okay? Calvinist. Calvinist, uh, very often, we, not all, not all, you're going to say, oh, he's a Calvinist right down the street and he's very good and he's very, not all. And, but I, by the way, I was saying, I think Calvary Chapel has done a lovely job. Everything I know eschatological, I learned in Calvary Chapel. Now, there are Baptists, and there are Assembly of God, and there are ones who do a really good teaching, really thorough. But I think it's, it's a hallmark of Calvary Chapel. Uh, eschatological, I don't think we take a backseat to anybody. But that's just my way of looking at it. Jesus said, said to him, take heed lest any man deceive you, because there is deception. Hello, YouTube. Anyone watch YouTube? There's some crazy stuff out there. And there's some really good stuff. And it's hard to ferret through the... I think you'd do well to stick with Calvary Chapel. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places... And there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Sorrows, there's the word birth pangs. Even if you haven't had a baby, if your spouse has, um, you understand something about birth pangs. They increase in frequency, frequency and stress. I mean, they get, they get, they get worse as they get closer to the, and that, so it's a really good, and then of course we found out something in our, in our Revelation study, in our Wednesday night study, that when he's talking about birth pangs, it's always eschatological. It's always talking about end time events. Now, I read that extended section. I think we just read the four horsemen of the apocalypse. When we went through the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I went back to Matthew, and I read there, and I, and I, so I, I, the first one is the rider on the white horse, you remember? Many Christians, I don't know, maybe most, many Christians think this is Jesus Christ, the rider on the white horse. If he is, he's got some dark company, okay? But I remember uh, I downloaded eSword on my computer, and it had like 13 or 14 commentaries. And I looked through them all. Revelation chapter 6, the, the rider on the white horse. And out of these 13 or 14, like 9 or 10 of them had it as Jesus Christ. And 3 or 4 of them had it as the Antichrist. By the way, the correct view. And I'm not even joking. But it's so, he's so, some people get, okay, he's on a white horse, so he must be a good guy. He went forth conquering and to conquer, which is the Jesus Christ kind of thing. Not at the beginning of the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation. Jesus is going to come, and he's going to conquer. His weapon of choice wasn't a sword. It was a bow. That doesn't sound like Jesus. And by the way, and I think a bow, and I talked about it back then, he's going to come with a bow, the sign of a covenant. You remember the first time the bow was introduced in Scripture and Laura first mentioned? Now, stick with me here. I know this is a little bit technical. The first time it, we see rain, the bow is the rainbow. God said, I'll never flood the earth again. And that's the first time it's mentioned. It's a sign of a covenant. Well, I think this one comes with a covenant as well. 
Isaiah calls it the covenant of death. And day one of the tribulation is not the rapture of the church. They may be concurrent, but I don't think so. It's when the Antichrist comes with a covenant, what I said again, that Isaiah calls the covenant of death, what Daniel in chapter 9 says, the princess shall come, he's going to enforce a covenant, and that is day one of the tribulation. Seven years from the signing of that covenant, Jesus Christ is going to come back. You say, you watch. No lie. You say, well, we don't know when Jesus comes back. At the end of this, I'm hoping I'm going to talk about the coming of Jesus Christ is a two-part coming. He's coming for his church. Second part of he's coming with his church to conquer the earth and set up his kingdom. Okay? Most of what we call Christendom does not believe in the literal kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, you don't believe in the literal kingdom of Jesus Christ, there's nothing more I can do. I think we looked at that, I think it was four successive, maybe five successive Wednesdays. We looked at Israel in the kingdom. We looked at the church in the kingdom. We looked at the general characteristics of the kingdom given to us both in um, Revelation chapter 20, but many, many, many places in the Old Testament, and I collected every one of them that I knew about, and we looked at each verse exhaustively. I mean, we, we were really... And then we looked at all the different uh, kingdoms in the tribulation, uh, I mean in the kingdom. Uh, we looked at all the different countries that specifically are mentioned, like Edom. It's going to be a, play, a habitation for every unclean bird and demons, if you ask me. We looked at Teman and Dedan. We looked at Assyria. We looked at um, Egypt. Uh, we looked at Babylon because these are all mentioned about what's going to happen to them in the uh, kingdom age. And we talked about every man under his vine and his fig tree, you know, the lion and the lamb lying down together. We talked about they're not going to learn war anymore. Uh, they're going to beat their swords and plowshares. We looked at all those verses. And there are still some people Still, I don't think in here, you're way too clever. There's still some people, oh, we don't, we don't believe in the, the kingdom. Jesus said, the kingdom is in the midst of you. And that's their whole theology. And all those verses I mentioned, they just, I would say to someone like, a, uh, there's no kingdom. They call it um, ah, millennialism. Ah, without none, zero, millennial. They don't believe in the thousand-year reign because Jesus said the kingdom of God is among you. That's all their verses. I just gave you all their whole shooting match exhaustively. Well, so he said the kingdom of God, so there's not real kingdom. It's God rules in the hearts of men right now. Well, I agree with that. I agree that he's going to rule in the hearts of men, but what about these, like Edom becoming a, a lair of, dragons and and he mentioned uh, these unclean birds and it's, it's really some kind of dark stuff what's that all about and they just Ooh. what about beating swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks is, is that like is that like gonna happen sometime soon like, uh, i'd like to see that I'm, you know uh, i'm against russia invading ukraine anyone with me i'm against war I think it's a horrible thing. I mean, you know, all things being equal. I, I, I don't want to see our, 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 our blood and treasure go off to some battlefield and die on some foreign soil somewhere. 
Again, all things being equal, sometimes it has to be. Okay. Many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. Okay? That's the first thing that you've got to know. Take heed lest any man deceive you. Again, YouTube. Or just bad teaching. Um, amillennialism is bad teaching. Okay? Remember a guy here, well, he was an elder, actually left and went to an amillennialist church. And I said, dude, He's well, I know enough to you eat the fish and spit out the bones. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, spit out the bones for sure. Why are you chewing on them to begin with? Why would you go to a place that... Let me keep going. Many shall come my name, saying, Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. Wars and rumors of wars. Hmm, I wish I could come up with an illustration. Hmm. You got TV. So, let me tell you, and we have to develop this. If you have, uh, you've been in a cave somewhere or something, or you don't watch the news at all, Russia invaded Ukraine. Israel said that's a bad idea, and they were against the invasion. And Putin said, we don't recognize the Golan Heights as belonging to Israel. Much of his army will die there. Ezekiel 38, 39, anybody? Will this happen this year? I don't know. Will it happen? Yeah. Soon. You know, I remember learning about Ezekiel 38, and I would, see, see I'm older than a lot of you guys, so, so bear with this aging <laughs> with a good, pretty good memory. I remember people saying, because it gives you all the players, it gives you the whole lineup card there in Ezekiel. You have Gog, Magog, you have uh, Meshach, Tubal, you have Persia, you have Gomer, Put, you have all these different ones. And when people say, okay, basically, it's, it's Russia with Turkey and with Iran. Now stop right there before we get into Somalia, Sudan, before we get into Libya, before we get into, just those three right there. Those seem like the big three. Russia and Iran. I grew up, Iran was pro-West. They had this guy called the Shah, the Shah of Iran. Oh, he's, he was a brutal dictator. He was horrible. But he was pro-West. He was even pro-Israel. And wait a second, how, how is they, that, that's really strange bedfellows. Now is it a thing? Oh, yeah, because of the, the uh, Iranian Revolution. That happened when I was in Memphis. I was learning my trade in, in the Marine Corps. And that, you remember the Iranian hostage crisis? That went from being pro-West to pro-anybody, anti-Israel and anti-America. We're the great Satan. Israel's the little Satan. You've got to wipe out America. You've got to wipe out Israel. I think they declared war on us, and they've probably been at war ever since. They're inconsequential, but they're going to be a player here pretty quick. Um, there's... Uh, 
a prophecy against Elam that most of you haven't talked about or known about. It's in the 49th chapter. It's the last bit of the 49th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. A prophecy that hasn't happened yet. Where Elam, read here, Iran, is spread out over the whole globe, is cast to the four winds. It's never happened. Will it happen? Coming soon to a planet near you. Why? Because they're very close to having a nuclear weapon. They can't have a nuclear weapon because they're going to blow Israel off the face of the earth. One nuclear bomb, downtown Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, it's all over. The, the nation's as big as the state of New Jersey. They have... Israel has secured hundreds of millions of dollars in their budget to bomb Iran this year. <laughs> Just telling you. No one's making any bones about it. You know, you can talk to someone from Israel or, or, or you know, like Amir Safadi or something like this. And by the way, if you're following him, good. It'll help. Uh, they're saying, no, we can't let him get a nuclear weapon. It's all over for us. And they're very, very close to getting a nuclear weapon. So I even think that prophecy is going to happen. Wars and rumors of wars. Now listen, America, the greatest military nation fighting force the world has ever seen, lost in Afghanistan. I talked to some people who are veterans, some friends of mine. How do you feel about that? Oh, that makes their blood boil. Um, I would just say, without getting too political, Elections have consequences. Now, has that emboldened others? Has that emboldened Russia to move again? And by the way, I started talking about Russia. Turkey's in the mix. Turkey, that used to be a place where Israel citizens went on vacation. A member of NATO. How does that fall into nefarious clutches of Russia, the Russian influence? Elections have consequences. Erdogan, he's not pro-West. He hates Israel. He would just as soon see Israel, because he's Muslim, he would, he would see Israel wiped off the face of the map. And now we have Russia in Syria. <laughs> Are we used to that now? Because a few years ago, that was Russia's in Syria. Oh, my goodness. And we started looking at, you know, the uh, Isaiah 12, a prophecy against Damascus and things like that. And for the first time, we're talking about these things like they, they could really take off and happen now. I don't know when uh, Ezekiel 38 is going to happen. Is the church here during that time? I don't know that. Could we see? Now, Chuck Smith was very fond of saying, maybe when Russia comes down, the church goes up. I <laughs> think, yay, Chuck, you go. But he didn't have a verse, really. He had a hope. And I would agree with that. Because in Ezekiel chapter 38, I remember people teaching, uh, I think America is annihilated by uh, weapons of mass destruction. I bet this had been a nuclear assault on America. Because we would never just stand by and watch Israel invaded. Again, I tell you, we don't have to have a nuclear event. We just have to have an election. Elections have consequences. And by the way, it wouldn't have happened before 2020. Israel wouldn't have been standing alone. We had a president who was committed to defending Israel. 
But the guy before him, you think that Israel was going to be backed up by American, I don't want to mention names, but it seems to me like that was kind of, he was a Sunni Muslim. Seems to me like that wouldn't have been a, a high percentage chance of America coming to Israel's defense. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, again, so we lost in Afghanistan, left with our tail between our legs. Just saying truth. And this is not a reflection on our, the great men and women of our armed forces. It is a reflection on leadership. We haven't had any in a while. That's a story for another time. But that's emboldened our enemies. Do you think North Korea is going to move against South Korea? I don't know. Do you think uh, China is going to move against Taiwan? I don't know. Do you think Russia is going to move against Israel? Yes. 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 It's prophesied. When? Oh, I don't know. You know, one of the reasons, by the way, I can't develop this too much. Ezekiel says that they're going to move against Israel for a plunder. And 10 years ago, I would have said, what are you talking about? And people were talking about the Dead Sea and the chemicals that are there and what a treasure trove that is. And I thought, like, yeah, but I think that's not the big issue anymore. I think we'll have a million cubic metric whatever tons of natural gas off the coast of Israel. If they start drilling and selling that, Russia's whole economy is based on their selling natural gas and, and like that. They're not going to watch Israel put them out of business. And by the way, the Keystone Pipeline, no, I ain't going there. I ain't going there. My goodness, I know too much stuff. I know too much stuff. I, let me stick to Bible. Um, Russia will move against Israel. And you know where there's natural gas is oil? Up in the Golan Heights. There's oil fields. What is it called? Leviathan. They get like three big, like, they start drilling, selling that. Europe is like energy independent. They don't have to buy any energy from Russia anymore. Russia's defunded. You think they're just going to stand by and say, oh, well, we lose. <laughs> And they just have a, a president now who's very Gog-like, uh, megalomaniac for sure, and a violent and a vicious man. That's all there is to it. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Okay? Nation shall rise against nation. Now, take your blue letter Bible out. Look this up. Nation shall rise against nation. You look at your interlinear. You look in the Greek. Ethnos shall rise against ethnos. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Black lives matter, anyone? Never saw this in my life. Uh, we had a president, a couple presidents ago, who I don't think I liked his policies. Can we leave it at that? I'm not, just duly elected, to be sure, I think, won the majority of the, the votes, not saying anything about that, and then if you don't like his policies, oh, you're racist. Wait, what? <laughs> How about they're bad policies? <laughs> uh, that's all. And he's, and he's put a wedge between people of color and 
We're not a racist nation. We just elected a president, a non-white president. Figure it out. Are there racists in America? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. We knew that. That's nothing. A small minority of whites, uh, minor, white supremacists. There's a few. It still is. Sad, ignorant. They exist. Was America that way? No. It's become more and more that way almost every day. There's a, there's a, I, I, I refuse. I won't be deterred. I won't change my mind. The, I know how this thing works. God wants every tribe, every language, every kindred, every group represented at the throne. God loves everybody. And by the way, if you believe in evolution, why aren't you a racist? I know why I'm not. Because God created all image bearers. Okay, just nation shall always against nation. Ethnos against ethnos. What's a kingdom? It's a dominion, it's a group, it's a land where they have a king over them. And you can add here countries or, you know, uh, we don't have a king, we have a president. And some uh, countries have a prime minister, but I think that's what we're talking about. Uh, kingdom shall... Uh, rise against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places. Now, that, uh, I had a friend of mine saying he has one of those uh, apps where there's a earthquake of like 7.0 or more. When he first got it, it'd go off every once in a while. Now it's just <laughs> constantly all the time. And the increase in earthquakes, Jesus knew that. But he also knew that we'd know because he gave it as a sign. He even knows like about Earthquake apps. I mean, think about it. Um, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. There shall be famines. That's right on the black horse, right? And troubles. Troubles like what? Troubles. I don't know. COVID. Just I'm just, I'm just asking. Maybe just a for instance. These are the beginning of birth pangs. Take heed yourself, for they shall deliver you up to councils in the synagogues. You shall be beaten. You shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against him. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Let's look at this quick. They're going to deliver you up to synagogues. Hey, you read the book of Acts, but there's a near and a far to this, okay? Is Christianity becoming, quickly becoming, politically incorrect? I think we can all agree to that. I can't, I should have that quote, uh, Canadian Parliament said that you know, fundamental Christians are a threat. Something along those lines. So, um, and for a long time, you, 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 you read the Bible? What are you, some kind of rube? Are you some kind of bumpkin? You believe this ancient book? And I, I've said before, we used to be tolerated. Those days are going away fast. Now we're a threat. Now we're, it, uh, to teach your children salvation, Jesus Christ, is child abuse. It's just, it's, it's just incredibly wrong. And they're not as tolerant of us as they once were. Many places in the world, it's against the law. Do what I'm doing. There's a near and a far to this. They're going to deliver you up to councils and in synagogues. Any of you guys ever been delivered to a synagogue? Oh, again, the book of Acts. And the end times, will it happen again? Oh, of course it will. You shall be beaten. You shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, 
for testimony against them. Jesus wants it that way. So way beyond the book of Acts, this happened for the last 2,000 years. I can't remember how many countries it's against the law to wear a cross, to own a Bible, to teach from the Bible. So it's dozens, dozens of countries. And, you know, if you listen to Voice of the Martyrs, by the way, you should. There are many places which there are still uh, Christians are actively uh, persecuted, even to death. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. We've talked about this. Look, if you, take, if you go to Revelation chapter 14, we're going to end here, okay, because I've got a lot more, but I'm not going to. I, 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 I'm going to take it easy. We're going to learn some things here. Revelation 14. Verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel preached unto them that dwell on the earth. What's he have? He has the everlasting gospel. What does Jesus say? And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Check. Check. Revelation 14. Check. Well, what about the guy on the island? God will bring the gospel right to him. Okay? Everlasting gospel. He's going to preach to them that dwell on the earth. To every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Well, we have, we have languages we haven't even discovered yet. We have people, you know, isolated pockets. All, we don't, they don't got a Bible. They haven't got a, we, they haven't got a New Testament even. They haven't got nothing. We haven't even discovered these people yet. How could they? God will take care of it. Now, there's a group of people who say, we got plenty of time. The gospel's got to be published to every nation. And they're out trying to win the world for Jesus Christ. And I would never do anything to undermine their efforts. You go. We'll pray for you. Amen. If you think Jesus can't come back until everyone hears the gospel, you go. And I'm just thinking, that's a wonderful thing. I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong in a good way. Because at the end result, they're giving, actively trying to get the gospel in the hands of every man, woman, and child in the whole, on the whole planet. Again, it's going to happen. And here, Jesus is promising it's going to happen. In Revelation, we see how it happens. But if you think we've got to reach the ends of the earth before Jesus comes back, perhaps it's not going to happen today, is it? Or tomorrow, or next week. Not this year. Not next year. Not really in the next 20 years if you want to be cre credible about it. Every person hearing the gospel? Really? Jesus will take care of that. The rapture could happen this afternoon. Okay? Just telling you. And when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it, shall, it was not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. We're going to end in verse 13, but stay with me. This is a promise at the end time when people drag you to councils, drag you to synagogue. You don't have to 
Think, okay, if they say this, I'm going to say this. You always have these conversations where you, I'm going to tell somebody it's going to be unpleasant. They're probably going to say this. And if they say this, I'm going to say this. But if they say this, I'm just going to leave that. And if they say that, and you have this whole thing in your head, you do that? Then we all do that. Don't. <laughs> I'll take over. I'll take, I would never let this opportunity slide, Jesus says. Why? Because it's a testimony. The end of verse 9, for testimony against them. You're going to be brought before rulers. Think about Paul. Think about Stephen. His Acts chapter 7 apologetic is a masterpiece. It's incredible. You can't tell me he came up with that. He must have been like this wow Bible student. Or the Holy Spirit showed up and just... Does that happen to you just in witnessing? He's talking to a friend. And, you, and you're sharing with them, and they're like, and you come up with something, you think, wow, how did I know that? And you came up with it, didn't you? Because the Spirit of God sometimes wants to use you in such and such a way. This is no invitation for a pastor to be lazy. What are you going to teach on? Well, I don't know, I'll just show up and we'll see where the Spirit takes us. Hey, think of this. Shut up and do your studying. My goodness, what a, what a horrible... Now, this is talking about when you're arrested, when you're brought before magistrates and things like that. God will show up and He will use you and He will talk through you. This doesn't just mean every time you open your mouth, God will say what God wants to say, carte blanche. It's not that at all. And I've heard people say that and it just gets under my skin. Maybe you notice. But it's going to happen. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son. The children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. It's going to happen. It's happening. A lot of places on the earth already. Listen, you send your kids to public schools, you're teaching them how to be a naturalist. Is that a good adjective? Or it's a noun. They're going to be, they're not going to be, in school they don't teach you how to pray how to, how to uh, um, behave, how to be obedient to your parents? Are they actively undermining authority? You send your kids to public schools, that's fine, that's fine. You do what you got to do. I know some people purposefully, I know some kids are saying, well, that's where all the action is. That's where the ministry field is. God bless them. God bless them. I, I, I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kids. I am telling you what the school is going to try to do. And then some of the, the, the outcome of this will be this very outcome. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Let's end here. The one who endures to the end shall be saved. So salvation comes by making it through eschatologically. If I make it to the last day, then I'm saved. But if you die in the interim, you go to hell. That's not what it's saying. It's saved in the sense of delivered. If you make it to... You remember the first Rocky movie? I'm going way back now, 76 or something like this. You know, Rocky just wanted a... He just wanted... He didn't want to... He didn't think he was going to win. He just wanted to last. At the 15th round, he wanted to still be standing. At the end, remember? Yo, Adrian, we did it! Yay! And uh, great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it in a while, you get to it. It's, okay, it's getting a little dated, but it's still way cool. And I think Sylvester Sloan is still awesome, but 
story for another time. Look, he made it to the end. That's what it's saying here. If you make it to the end, you made it to the end. You're saved. You're delivered. You, d- you did it. Yay. It's not talking about eschatological salvation. I mean, it's not talking about soteriological salvation. What's soteriological? It's the theology that has to do with salvation. Sometimes when it talks about saved, it means delivered. And it just means delivered. It doesn't mean going to heaven when you die. Okay? And here it's being used, if you make it to the end, yay, you made it. If you endure. And I think he's talking to those who are going to go before synagogues. He's talking primarily to his own, read here, Jews. Now, in chapter 4, next time we get together, and we're we're done here. I know I'm going to go a minute or two over. It's fine. When he shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing where it are not, let him that readeth understand, let them that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Who are those who are in Judea? Um, Jews. Okay, and we'll talk this, about this next time. Uh, don't go down the housetop to grab anything. That's because people live on their housetop in that part of the world. And it says, pray that your flight be not in the winter. And in Lucas says, pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jewish people. I mean, if you were fleeing for your life, would you care if it was the winter? Not really. Would you care if it was the Sabbath? Saturday is a good day to flee for my life as any other day of the week, right? Uh, All things being equal, I don't want to flee for my life. But if I have to flee on a Saturday, it's probably better than Monday. I'll be in over here and you'll be here and how are we going to flee our, for our lives at the, I'll meet you halfway and then we'll flee for our lives to, we'll, we'll work it out uh, hey 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 so he's talking to Jewish people and he's setting it up um, the same sh- who endure to the end shall be saved you've got to remember something we're talking about the time of Jacob's troubles okay so we'll, we'll visit that again next week and I kind of wanted to get down to the abomination of desolation but I, I, I knew that we would, would get what we got. So we'll end there. I know it's a, kind of a weird place to end, but our time is spent. So if our worship leader will come and send us out of here in song, you can stand and we'll pray. Lord, I think you're so good that you told us many of the earmarks, many of the things that we would, uh, that you saw as you looked down through the ages, and you saw what would accompany uh, the time of the end. And Lord, we think we're fast approaching that. All these things that we're talking about, they resonate in our heart because, I mean, it's kind of obvious at this point. And we expect that very soon you'll be coming to get your bride And we're looking forward to that. Father, thank and praise you for that blessed hope. The things that are going to come on the earth are unimaginable. And I I thank and praise you that we won't be here to endure to to see these things. So, um, Lord, thank you for the time and the word today. Now, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.